0: Welcome to the channel, Legendary Legacy, Book Recap Audio, where you can enjoy the summaries of the best audiobooks without spending a penny. Today, we will recap the book, The Little Prince by author Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. It is a novella written and illustrated by French aristocrat, writer, and military pilot Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. It was first published in English and French in the United States by Reynal and Hitchcock in April 1943 and was published posthumously in France following liberation. Saint-Exupéry's works had been banned by the Vichy regime. The story follows a young prince who visits various planets, including Earth, and addresses themes of loneliness, friendship, love, and loss. Despite its style as a children's book, The Little Prince makes observations about life, adults, and human nature. The Little Prince became Saint-Exupéry's most successful work, selling an estimated 140 million copies worldwide, which makes it one of the best-selling in history. The book has been translated into over 505 different languages and dialects worldwide, being the second most translated work ever published, trailing only the Bible. The Little Prince has been adapted to numerous art forms and media, including audio recordings, radio plays, live stage, film television, ballet, and opera. Listen to the full audiobook episodes of this book on the channel, the recap audiobook episodes are published on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and other podcast platforms. You can tell us more information about any book you would like us to have an audiobook about, please leave your book info below in the video comments. New audiobook episodes are published daily and recap books are published on Sundays every week. If you find this content useful, please support our channel by liking, commenting on the video, following, subscribing, and sharing this content with your friends and relatives so that we have more motivation to produce more audiobook episodes with the best and latest quality. Thank you for listening and have a nice day. Full Book Summary The narrator, an airplane pilot, crashes in the Sahara desert. The crash badly damages his airplane and leaves the narrator with very little food or water. As he is worrying over his predicament, he is approached by the little prince, a very serious little blonde boy who asks the narrator to draw him a sheep. The narrator obliges, and the two become friends. The pilot learns that the little prince comes from a small planet that the little prince calls asteroid 325 but that people on earth call asteroid b 612. the little prince took great care of this planet preventing any bad seeds from growing and making sure it was never overrun by baobab trees one day a mysterious rose sprouted on the planet and the little prince fell in love with it but when he caught the rose in a lie one day he decided that he could not trust her anymore. He grew lonely and decided to leave. Despite a last-minute reconciliation with the rose, the prince set out to explore other planets and cure his loneliness. While journeying, the narrator tells us, the little prince passes by neighboring asteroids and encounters for the first time the strange, narrow-minded world of grown-ups. On the first six planets the little prince visits, he meets a king, a vain man, a drunkard, a businessman, a lamplighter, and a geographer, all of whom live alone and are overly consumed by their chosen occupations. Such strange behavior both amuses and perturbs the little prince. He does not understand their need to order people around, to be admired, and to own everything. With the exception of the lamplighter, whose dogged faithfulness he admires, the little prince does not think much of the adults he visits, and he does not learn anything useful. However, he learns from the geographer that flowers do not last forever, and he begins to miss the rose he has left behind. At the geographer's suggestion, the little prince visits earth, but he lands in the middle of the desert and cannot find any humans. Instead, he meets a snake who speaks in riddles and hints darkly that its lethal poison can send the little prince back to the heavens if he so wishes. The little prince ignores the offer and continues his explorations, stopping to talk to a 3 petaled flower and to climb the tallest mountain he can find, where he confuses the echo of his voice for conversation. Eventually, the little prince finds a rose garden, which surprises and depresses him, his rose had told him that she was the only one of her kind. The prince befriends a fox, who teaches him that the important things in life are visible only to the heart. His time away from the rose makes the rose more special to him, and that love makes a person responsible for the beings that one loves. The little prince realizes that, even though there are many roses, his love for his rose makes her unique and that he is therefore responsible for her. Despite this revelation, he still feels very lonely because he is so far away from his rose. The prince ends his story by describing his encounters with two men a railway switchman and a sales clerk. It is now the narrator's eighth day in the desert, and at the prince's suggestion, they set off to find a well. The water feeds their hearts as much as their bodies, and the two share a moment of bliss as they agree that too many people do not see what is truly important in life. The little prince's mind, however, is fixed on returning to his rose, and he begins making plans with the snake to head back to his planet. The narrator is able to fix his plane on the day before the one year anniversary of the prince's arrival on Earth, and he walks sadly with his friend out to the place the prince landed. The snake bites the prince, who falls noiselessly to the sand. The narrator takes comfort when he cannot find the prince's body the next day and is confident that the prince has returned to his asteroid. The narrator is also comforted by the stars, in which he now hears the tinkling of his friend's laughter. Often, however, he grows sad and wonders if the sheep he drew has eaten the prince's rose. The narrator concludes by showing his readers a drawing of the desert landscape and by asking us to stop for a while under the stars if we are ever in the area and to let the narrator know immediately if the little prince has returned. Full Book Analysis The Little Prince is a fable-like tale that mingles the story of a lonely, stranded narrator with the story of a young traveler facing his own troubles. The prince's problem, an attempt to understand love, creates an embedded conflict resolution plotline, but the unnamed pilot, who serves as first-person narrator, is the work's protagonist. He is present at the story's beginning, comments throughout its events, and writes its conclusion six years after events have passed. The prince's conflict is revealed in his conversations with the narrator and is interwoven throughout the narrative it arises from his inability to understand a rose a singular but standoffish beauty that he is too young to know how to love he leaves his planet to learn about life seeking an answer but meets unhelpful grown-ups who want him to serve them they are so enmeshed in their own concerns that they hardly notice him only a few bother to help finally The prince learns his answer about love from the fox, who teaches him what it means to belong to someone. What matters, the fox says, is not what people can measure or see. Instead, what makes each being unique is invisible. This is why the prince's rose matters to him, even in a world full of roses. Once the prince, after nearly a year of wandering earth, has his answer, he can help the narrator with the larger story's conflict. The narrator, who crashed in the Sahara, faces an immediate conflict, he must survive against the elements. Yet a more enduring conflict troubles him. He, too, must learn that, a, nothing essential is invisible to the eyes. He presents himself as someone who has never felt at home among grown-ups. He certainly did not as a child, and as an adult, he reports, I lived all alone. No one understands him, until he meets the prince. This meeting is the story's inciting incident, not the crash or the race to fix the plane's engine before the water runs out, but the five words that wake the pilot the day after the crash, please, draw me a sheep. The rising action is developed mainly in a series of conversations between the pilot and the prince that gradually establish ties between them, as the fox puts it, so that they come to belong to one another. The pilot recaptures the childlike sense of wonder that he had given up finding among grown-ups as adult after adult fails the test of drawing number one a test the prince easily passes throughout the rising action however that serious matters of adult life repeatedly distract the narrator from the prince's concerns one conversation in particular highlights this conflict the narrator exasperated that he cannot repair the plane's engine a matter of life and death, snaps at the prince when the child expresses concern that the sheep may eat the rose. When the child weeps over his beloved rose, the narrator adjusts his own perspective and comforts him. The serious matters of adult life cause grown-ups to forget that nothing matters more than a relationship with the beloved, as painful and complicated as that relationship can be. This essential truth is reinforced as the prince describes the, very strange, grown-ups he meets during his travels, whose lives lack meaning because they do not belong to another person as the prince belongs to his rose, and she to him. As the prince describes these encounters, the narrator realizes that he has not found a place to belong in the grown-up world, which rejects his deepest desires as Unsurious. Yet the threat to the narrator's life persists as the action moves toward the climax. As the mysterious child leads the narrator through the desert to find a well, they speak of beauty hidden in secret places. The narrator loves the prince ever more deeply as he carries the sleeping child through the night. In the morning, they find a well where no well should exist, and the narrator understands that the search for the mysterious well makes its water more than physically satisfying. Having recaptured essential truths during his desert sojourn, the narrator is suddenly and somewhat mysteriously able to repair the plane. He can return to the adult world, but he must do so without the beloved to whom he now belongs. The story's climax comes when the prince returns home to his rose. As the fox predicted, the moment of parting is painful. During the brief falling action, the narrator returns safely to his worried friends. He is so changed that his perception of life, too, is transformed. Relationships now matter more to him than serious adult concerns. The narrator's deepened understanding of the beauty hidden in the heart of all things resolves the conflict that troubled him. Yet this resolution is incomplete because the narrator misses the prince desperately. He pleads with anyone who meets the prince to, s, end word immediately, and end his grief. Because the narrator is still so lonely, and the prince's return so unlikely, the story's tone is bittersweet through to its final sentence. The Little Prince Quotes Quote number one, and now here is my secret, a very simple secret, it is only with the heart that one can see rightly, what is essential is invisible to the eye. Quote number two, all grown-ups were once children, but only few of them remember it. Quote number three, it is the time you have wasted for your rose that makes your rose so important. Quote number four, what makes the desert beautiful, said the little prince, is that somewhere it hides a well. Quote number five, the most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or touched, they are felt with the heart. Quote number six, I am looking for friends. What does that mean, tame? It is an act too often neglected, said the fox. It means to establish ties. To establish ties. Just that, said the fox. To me, you are still nothing more than a little boy who is just like a hundred thousand other little boys. And I have no need of you. And you, on your part, have no need of me. To you I am nothing more than a fox like a hundred thousand other foxes. But if you tame me, then we shall need each other. To me, you will be unique in all the world. To you, I shall be unique in all the world. Quote number seven, people have forgotten this truth, the fox said. But you mustn't forget it. You become responsible forever for what you've tamed. You're responsible for your rose. Quote number eight, Grown-ups never understand anything by themselves, and it is tiresome for children to be always and forever explaining things to them. Quote number nine, you, you alone will have the stars as no one else has them, in one of the stars I shall be living. In one of them I shall be laughing. And so it will be as if all the stars were laughing, when you look at the sky at night, you, only you, will have stars that can laugh. Quote number ten. Well, I must endure the presence of a few caterpillars if I wish to become acquainted with the butterflies. Quote number 11, it is such a mysterious place, the land of tears. Quote number 12, you're beautiful, but you're empty, one couldn't die for you. Of course, an ordinary passerby would think my rose looked just like you. But my rose, all on her own, is more important than all of you together, since she's the one I've watered. Since she's the one I put under glass, since she's the one I sheltered behind the screen. Since she's the one for whom I killed the caterpillars, except the two or three butterflies. Since she's the one I listened to when she complained, or when she boasted, or even sometimes when she said nothing at all. Since she's my rose. Quote number 13. You see, one loves the sunset when one is so sad. Quote number 14. People where you live, the little prince said, grow 5,000 roses in one garden, yet they don't find what they're looking for. They don't find it, I answered. And yet what they're looking for could be found in a single rose, or a little water. Of course, I answered. And the little prince added, but eyes are blind. You have to look with the heart. Quote number 15 You become responsible, forever, for what you have tamed. Quote number 16, where are the people, resumed the little prince at last. It's a little lonely in the desert. It is lonely when you're among people, too, said the snake. Quote number 17, if you love a flower that lives on a star, it is sweet to look at the sky at night. All the stars are a bloom with flowers. Quote number 18, all men have stars, but they are not the same things for different people. For some, who are travelers, the stars are guides. For others they are no more than little lights in the sky. For others, who are scholars, they are problems. But all these stars are silent. You you alone will have stars as no one else has them. In one of the stars I shall be living. In one of them I shall be laughing. And so it will be as if all the stars will be laughing when you look at the sky at night, you, only you. Will have stars that can laugh. And when your sorrow is comforted, time soothes all sorrows, you will be content that you have known me. You will always be my friend. You will want to laugh with me. And you will sometimes open your window, so, for that pleasure. It will be as if, in place of the stars, I had given you a great number of little bells that knew how to laugh. Quote number 19 And when your sorrow is comforted, time soothes all sorrows, you will be content that you have known me. You will always be my friend. You will want to laugh with me. And you will sometimes open your window, so, for that pleasure. And your friends will be properly astonished to see you laughing as you look up at the sky. Then you will say to them, yes, the stars always make me laugh. And they will think you are crazy. It will be a very shabby trick that I shall have played on you. Quote number 20, she cast her fragrance and her radiance over me. I ought never to have run away from her. I ought to have guessed all the affection that lay behind her poor little stratagems. Flowers are so inconsistent. But I was too young to know how to love her. Quote number 21, you're beautiful, but you're empty. No one could die for you. Quote number 22, so the little prince tamed the fox. And when the hour of his departure drew near, said the fox, I shall cry. It is your own fault, said the little prince. I never wished you any sort of harm, but you wanted me to tame you. Yes, that is so, said the fox. But now you are going to cry, said the little prince. Yes, that is so, said the fox. Then it has done you no good at all. It has done me good, said the fox, because of the color of the wheat fields. Quote number 23, grown-ups love figures. When you tell them you've made a new friend they never ask you any questions about essential matters. They never say to you, what does his voice sound like? What games does he love best? Does he collect butterflies? Instead they demand, how old is he? How much does he weigh? how much money does his father make? Only from these figures do they think they have learned anything about him. Quote number 24, I remembered the fox. One runs the risk of crying a bit if one allows oneself to be tamed. Quote number 25, a rock pile ceases to be a rock pile the moment a single man contemplates it, bearing within him the image of a cathedral. Quote number 26, in those days, I didn't understand anything. I should have judged her according to her actions, not her words. She perfumed my planet and lit up my life. I should never have run away. I ought to have realized the tenderness underlying her silly pretensions. Flowers are so contradictory. But I was too young to know how to love her. Quote number 27 But if you tame me, then we shall need each other. To me, you will be unique in all the world. To you, I shall be unique in all the world. Quote number 28. When someone blushes, doesn't that mean? Yes. Quote number 29. I did not know how to reach him, how to catch up with him. The land of tears is so mysterious. Quote number 30. I have lived a great deal among grown-ups. I have seen them intimately, close at hand. And that hasn't much improved my opinion of them. I hope you enjoyed this book. Listen to the full audiobook episodes this book of the channel, recap episodes which are published on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and other podcast platforms. You can tell us more information about any book you would like us to have an audiobook about, please leave your book info below in the video comments, new audiobook episodes are published daily and recap books are published on Sundays every week. If you find this content useful, please support our channel by liking, commenting on the video, following, subscribing, and sharing this content with your friends and relatives so that we have more motivation to produce more audiobook episodes with the best and latest quality.